Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. I'm your host, and I'm so excited to have you here today. I've got my friend and guest, Amber Keys, who is here. I'm going to let her do a brag intro, but I'm super excited to dish all things psychology, human design, disrupting the dominator culture paradigms, all the things that we love to talk about. So Amber, I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to you and let's hear a little brag intro. What makes you amazing? Ooh, okay. Well, ooh, what makes me amazing is a totally different brag than what I anticipated. Well, I guess not. I brag (laughs) that I have created a life that I love living, that I wake up virtually every day at this point in my life. And no matter what happens, I can come back to the fact that I have intentionally created a life where I can be present for my son. I can go on field trips. We can chase sunsets. I can walk the dog. I can visit my grandma. And I just feel so deeply satisfied with the business and life that I've created. And I hope other people do that too, I pray. I like that little twist at the end there. Yeah, such epic rags. And I think really revolutionary for women. I know for me, like when I had hit these certain like kind of the house, the husband, the baby, the career, the PhD, like all those things, you know, I'd hit like this certain level of success, but like the satisfaction wasn't completely there. And instead it was more like exhaustion. So I love these brags because, you know, I think what people are really craving sometimes, at least for me, I'll speak for myself uh, above and beyond the money is the time freedom and to live a life on your own terms. That's very satisfying to you so I love those juicy brags they're so good so you've got a very background kind of like I do tell us a little bit about how you got into human design and how you kind of jump ship from I think nonprofit into coaching yeah I have a very windy road and I think at times it didn't make sense to me a lot of the time so I think my story starts as a very young child, being intuitive, being somewhat gifted, having an interest in things that are, were, or are esoteric and spiritual. And that's always been a deep aspect of who I am. And when I was younger, I knew that I wanted to help people and I had this vision, but I didn't have the word coaching at the time. And so the closest approximation to coach was, oh, I'll go into psychology. So I got my bachelor's in psychology and I focused really heavily on what is now, you know, we have language again for it, basically trauma. But I started studying the effects of poverty and homelessness on women and children. And it grew from there to like, how do we prevent these huge societal problems, right? These societal failures of women and children and come to find out. And again, this was like 12 years, well, longer than that now. But uh, this idea of, well, it's not like someone wakes up homeless one day as an adult. It's something that's been built layer by layer, day by day throughout their whole life, what we would call conditioning or trauma. 
And I went into social work because, again, still no real idea about coaching, if you will, and feeling like that was the next right step. Because as you likely know, you can't really, you can manage the deli at Walmart with a bachelor's in psychology. You're not really helping people, right? Um, So I went on for my master's in social work. I worked in the community and social systems level, really focused on sort of macro level problems. But like the idea is like changing the culture so that the individual experience underneath of that umbrella shifts. And it wasn't until, so I did kind of like you, I sort of pursued all of this success. I had all the things I had the education I had, then I had the baby and then my whole world was turned upside down. And that was actually when I was introduced to human design. So it was really brilliant. Um, watching this tiny child sort of animate into, and he is a bit of a rare breed. He's a manifester. So like really seeing a manifester come to light in its pure form, right? Not in the socialized away from their power sort of manifester. So I've been working with human design now. It's insane to me. Uh, Almost nine years. It started out for me and there was a, a deep recognition because there's this spiritual esoteric piece that really motivates me. And then I had the real world educational theoretical background. And There was a piece that was missing and human design sort of is that piece that bridges the esoteric for me and like the theoretical and allows me then to be the coach that I am today and serve people in the way that I serve them today. That's so exciting. I love that you have that social justice background. And I I think it's so important because, you know, we know the homeless population has often has like serious mental health issues and that that a lot of times is how they end up homeless. And so I know in my program, they were sort of saying we can try to, you know, tend to people, heal them like one by one, or we can really look at these like broad scale societal issues and figure out like, what is the machine that's creating this, you know? And so I just love that you have that lens and you've kind of incorporated that into your human design work because you know, the original theory sometimes, you know, some of the terms are a little pejorative and things like that. So like, how do you work with, there's a deconditioning of like your actual alignment and your human design pattern and all of that sort of stuff. But then there's also just like sort of the feminist version of that. So just yeah. curious. Yeah. So, well, it's really interesting, right? Again, human design. So To speak to your point on homelessness, so my thesis in undergrad was, right, the biggest predictor of homelessness in adulthood is trauma and victimization in childhood. And the comorbidities, like you said, with mental health, with substance abuse, right, they're all symptoms of the larger problem. And so in the work that I do now with human design, I do focus a lot on the deconditioning process and human design is a phenomenal anchor to come back to i think to sort of depersonalize some of the suffering you know i got into business to help women have time freedom flexibility right in their lives to create a deeply fulfilling life and it's interesting with human design because so many people will come and be like oh this is my 
conscious Mercury or my unconscious Jupiter. This is what this means about me, right? And it is, it can be very prescriptive and it can be very even limiting. It can be also very disempowering if you use the original sort of terms that Ra um, and human design came up with, which is fine. They're just very, very literal. I don't know exactly the timeline of when it was created, but I know whenever someone has a free line and I'm like, okay, let's talk like martyrdom, you know, where I think the other one is sort of that, what, like experimenter. Yeah. Uh, I'd much rather be an experimenter than a martyr, you know, or yeah. like married to a heretic. I'm a martyr heretic. Actually, you know, growing up Catholic too, like I can relate to those terms. And this is the interesting thing because human design is the original system, right? It's extremely literal and it's really important that you understand the meaning under the meaning. And I think there are ultimately limitations, right? It, it was even with anything that a human produces, right? which it came through raw, the voice came through raw, and it comes through a filter. And then we have other folks who now have their own, put their own filters on it, like Karen Curry Parker. I love Richard Rudd. Richard Rudd, the Gene Keys, even his stuff on human design changed my life and really helped me to deepen into how I look at human design. Because these words, if you're already someone who is feeling a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, experiencing a lot of trauma. And then you come to the system that's, oh, you're a martyr. <laughs> then you're like, cool, I'm fucked for life, right? There's no hope for me. So yeah, I think a lot of what I do is tell the story of the person that's in front of me back to them in a way that's really empowering, that helps them to feel like they can take control of their life and to start to see those things that maybe we think of as, oh, this is a negative aspect. And to use it as, no, this is your brand of leadership. This is your superpower. Yeah, a lot of the people that I've had come through Fearless Feminine as clients, a lot of them have been like one threes or three fives. And I do notice that the three line does, in my mind, seem to kind of correlate with trauma and not just like your garden variety trauma of being human, but, you know, more intense kind of like chronic PTSD type trauma. Um but then spinning it around to say like you've literally had your hand on the fire to feel the heat and you've learned the hard way kind of like what to do. And so as a teacher, or as like a leader, you can kind of give the cliff notes of what not to do and save people all the suffering. So I feel like it's like kind of that wounded healer archetype to yeah. be able to take all of those experiences and then, you know, save people the, yeah. the well, and when it comes from someone who has a three line, you know that it's the truth because, like you said, we touch the fucking stove. Other people are smart enough that when their grandma is, don't touch the stove, you'll burn yourself. They're like, that's so nice, grandma. I'm not really sure how bad it is. And they know. So when a third line speaks from their experience, right, there is this wisdom keeper aspect. I've noticed too, I am a three line. So I think I just probably attract a lot of people because I also, I think there's a lot of shame, right? In a third line because they will never get it right. Mm -hmm. Right? Like they aren't here to, you know, follow this path and like, it's going to be smooth sailing straight to success. No, they're going to fall. They're going to stumble. They're going to get dirt in their face. Like 
And then they're going to feel some kind of way about it. The not self wants to make meaning of, well, what does it mean that your sister didn't do that and you did that? Or what does it mean that your best friend, you know, is going to retire by 48 and you will never retire because you couldn't choose a career path or you couldn't do whatever? Like, I think a lot of my work is helping. I work with a lot of three lines as well, but helping to reframe some of that, like that is your magic. And one of the things that helped me personally as a three line with that, like, and of course, like I went in, I studied trauma, duh. <laughs> but one of the things that really helped me was realizing, like, I think I used to do a lot of comparison of, oh, if I hadn't done this, then this is where I'd be in my life. And if I hadn't done this, then this is where I'd be, or this is what I'd be doing and wondering, is the grass really greener? And ultimately, Anytime it comes down to it, where there's been a significant change or disruption in my life, I would never go back, you know? So in a way, my three line saves me from the life that would not have served me at all. Like, I couldn't have been someone who is born and raised in the same town for their whole life and marries their high school sweetheart and, like, becomes a hairstyle you know what I mean like I could not have lived that life so no matter how much I try to idealize or romanticize like why did I have to go and move away and why did I do this and why did I do that no that is my magic I have lived a thousand lives by the time I was 25 I lived more life than most people live in their whole lives and I have a choice and I can see it as wow, woe is me, I really fucked up, or I can see it as like all of these pieces are supporting me in my ultimate mission in my life. I love that. And, you know, when I've done human design readings, especially I think we talked the martyr thing, I think the the heretic as well, like people, I think some women when they find it out there and what's the other phrase for it because I, I don't even like using the word heretic but what's the other word for a five line i use i talk about five lines as leaders or influencers i don't yeah. know like karen curry parker's whole quantum thing but that's the i like to use influencer right someone yeah. who has influence I like leader. Like I, my husband took the Enneagram and he's an eight. And I was like, that's why you're an asshole sometimes. And he's a heretic. So he's got like the outspoken leader thing. I'm like, oh, actually, no, you're like a leader, you know. But, you know, there are the truth tellers. And so like I had the the chick that does feminine fire and she is a line five and she like lived this life, you know, I think it's like a model or a dancer. And then you know, created this whole like version of athletics and dance in a really new, innovative way. And so I just love that story because Alison Vernon Thompson is the leader of Feminine Fire. And mm-hmm. when I told her, I looked up her human design after we were chatting on the podcast and I was like, of course, you know, you've been in, in these industries where you like didn't fit in, you were the outsider. And then you created this amazing thing that synthesized everything and like kind of put it all together. And so my question to you is, like, how can we embrace, like, our leadership, whether you're a five or not? And, you know, you and I are generators, right? So satisfaction piece. I know we're both in the pleasure community. And so I think to be outspoken, to be rebellious, to say the things that maybe, like, trigger people and create this, like, whole new paradigm shift, you know, it 
we have to learn the good girl out, basically. So I'm just kind of curious. I've watched you do that over the past year or so. So just kind of curious about your thoughts on that or what your journey around that has been like to embrace your satisfaction and your leadership. Uh, well, I mean, it's a journey, I think. And I'm a three five too. So it's interesting. Let me speak on the line five for a minute. Yeah. I think that, again, I love sort of this interdisciplinary approach to almost everything I do. I'm not like a human design purist and I'm not a raw purist necessarily. But I love Richard Rudd, right? Everything in the Gene Keys has three separate vibrational, I call them vibrational addresses, or three separate floors of the same house where you have a shadow frequency, you have that gift or like your standard everyday frequency, and then you have the highest possible expression of that energy. So you know, one of the things that I do see sometimes happening with human design is a focus on the shadow frequency and maybe not enough on the beauty and the gift and the highest and most ideal expression. So with the five line, I do see this. I can almost identify people with a five line like yeah. easily on social media because sometimes they're intentionally polarizing, right? Yes. So the five line for me, though, is... I think it is about leadership. It is about courage as well. The courage to say the hard thing or the courage to speak the truth when nobody really wants to hear it. <laughs> and I think, at least for me in my business, there's, you know, I think I have done a lot of internal work to work through some of the bitterness or I call it, the, you know, the slow burning rage that I feel toward the system as a whole because you come in and I think as a five line, we can see what's happening. And yeah. other people are not really conscious of what they're doing, but the five lines can see it and call it and name it. And so, but for me, it was really doing my own emotional regulation work to, to, and I hope this comes through in like how I share and how I lead because it's it was intentional, like to take the charge off of some of it, right? To still speak the truth, but to speak the truth with compassion. I think there's always going to be alienation that happens with folks who carry a five line. But for me, when it comes to my leadership, like I feel like, and I'm a generator and I, I just I feel like I see the current or like the trends of what's happening and I could embrace the trend for better or for worse and be a leader in the trend. Or I could stand up and say, actually, I think that this is a harmful trend or I think this isn't serving you. And even in my work, I think that's a lot of what I do is this pattern disruption of like, let me get you into your leadership. Let's remove the shoulds and the this is what this person did and this is what this person says and this is the strategy or formula that's going to get me to where I want to get. Let's unsubscribe from all of that noise for a minute because your human design, like who you were born to be, has nothing to do with how any of these other humans, right? And we see it, you know, the privilege, like you just see how, and it's not a bad thing, 
And it is a bad thing at the same time. Like, I don't want you to wake up five years from now, two years from now. You've invested all your money to be in proximity to the millionaire coaches because you thought that that's what would sell your program, but you never got clear on your offer and you never got clear on your values. You never got clear on how you wanted your business to support you. So now where are you? You're thousands of dollars in debt and you don't have the clarity. So I think a lot of the work that I do is that five line, like I have no interest in getting you to a million dollars. I don't begrudge anyone who wants to get to a million dollars, but if you want to build a sustainable business that supports you, that satisfies you, I know I can get you there. And I love that you call yourself the vanilla vixen because it's sort of like that dialectic of the maybe three and the five together of, you know, you're that bridge builder up between the more vanilla and then the rebellious lines. So I just really love that so much. And I do think within the coaching industry, there, there is so many rules. And I think some of that may be a hangover from the more like salesy bro marketing kind of vibe. But, you know, it's it's a weird mix of like prescriptive and yet like people also say, you know, like you can manifest and do your mindset and create your own reality, but don't sell more than one offer or don't do this or don't do that. Like, I feel like there's just so many rules that in some ways as someone who's invested a lot, and I think it can be hard to manifest when you have the <laughs> debt that you've invested kind of hanging over you. You know, like it's easy to lose yourself in, well, this works for this person. And so I'm going to do like that. And I think for me, that's where when I got human design certified, that really helped me break all of that. Because it was almost like I was falling in that tend and befriend, like people pleaser pattern of, yeah, wanting to be in that like close space with some of these big name coaches. And, you know, they were great experiences, but I really love that you have that. And I do too, like that really coming in with your own authenticity and your own personal profile. So I've got a couple questions. I just pulled up my profile on the break here. I'm going to give you a quiz. <laughs> Put you on okay. the here. So my incarnation cross is like the left angle cross of cycles, which that one really spoke to me because it, and I forget what the middle one is, but I know that the highest is like celebration, which of course we know we love our brags and pleasure mm -hmm. stuff. But then the other one is like detachment. So uh, I do notice for me, like manifesting wise, I am a specific manifester, but I do notice that like I really do have to detach in order to manifest well. Like I need to celebrate and detach at the same time, which I think that's kind of maybe true for anyone manifesting, but particularly with this as the sort of incarnation cross, just kind of curious if you have any tips around that. It's interesting. I was having a conversation, though, with someone about this very thing earlier, about creating like a business that's individualized. Yeah. And so we were talking about how I begin to create offers. I'm going somewhere, I swear. But we were talking about how I create offers and how when I create an offer, for example, like there is a a nesting process that I go through before I launch. Of It's this energetic alignment of self and connection to the people who are meant for this container. And so it's this very energetic co-creation. So we were talking basically about that though and about building a business that supports you. 
And what I like about, again, without seeing anything else in your chart, this idea of cycles, though, is, oh, no, I got to go back. Sorry, my brain. The reason that came up was we talked about how when there's, at least for me, what I've learned, when there's attachment to the people, if I put a face on the person that I want to be in the seat, like with my most recent mastermind, there were two people that I had in mind that I was like, no, I want these people to be in a seat. And then the timing wasn't right or, you know, something came up. And then I wasn't like, because from the beginning, I had had this attachment to who it was, it kind of got in the way. So when I think about the cross of cycles, what that tells me is there's going to be cycles of productivity and cycles of rest. And that for you as a business owner, even leading into an understanding and planning for that in the way that you launch your programs or in the way that you move through the world, knowing that you might not be someone who's showing up every single day selling a thing all the time. That's where my like two, six, you know, I'm hermit role model. So my hermit kicks in and that's where I like kind of have to go a bit. And so the way that I've worked around that is for one, you know, working with the satisfaction piece, which is going to kind of be my follow-up question, but I'll hold that for, you know, like batching content has really been like a great piece for me because I can work when I'm really inspired and pumped and create when I'm in the creative mode. And then when I'm feeling hermity, then it's just scheduled out. And so I feel like that was a piece that I really had a hard time mastering just because I was also juggling, you know, a private practice on top of it and running two businesses. So yeah, I I really try not to force myself to be creative. I mean, sometimes I have to show up for a session or a podcast episode or whatever. And I'll just tell myself like, all I have to do is be myself which is always like a nice affirmation. But yeah, I I really do try to like embrace that creativity. And I think for me, like really, I was living all role model, but no hermit, especially like being a mom and a business owner and in a very social business. Like I was just always around people except maybe late at night when everyone was in bed. And so that was like the biggest change that I've made since, you know, getting my human design certification is really honoring my hermit. And giving time for that mysticism and just like on Mondays, I don't work and I really try not to see people on that day. And that has been like totally transformational for me. Yeah. And I think even, you know, what I tell folks too is, you know, when you move into that hermit phase, I think it's also okay to model that. I think, again, I think you're right, even in some of the the more you know, pleasure-based spaces, there still is this, and it's not because there's still this undercurrent of like, always be launching, always be doing a thing, have more, start the podcast, have this program, do a mastermind, do a one-on-one. And it can be really intoxicating and, right, even modeling guess what? This is what I've done in my business. I don't have that incarnation cross, but I think for you honoring those cycles, those rest cycles, this is what I'm doing. It doesn't have to be like, this is my design. So this is what I'm doing. But guess what? I'm in a launch cycle right now. And then I'm going to take three months off because that's what I need to regenerate. Mm -hmm. And having the courage to be like, this is how I run my business and it's totally fine. And I'm not going to lose my audience and my business can be on autopilot. I don't have to launch 24-7. 
my business is a function of the way that I shine my light into the world. It is not my entire existence. Yeah, that's a really beautiful reframe. And I think that that's kind of goes back to the social media do's and don'ts, you know, and it's a whole you can't, you know, step away, which I think is more of a 3D kind of paradigm versus, you know, a more empowered paradigm is, yeah, to have the pleasure-based business, you can have it how you want it. And, you know, obviously you can hire a team and schedule things out and do it in a way where you're present without, you know, actually being live. So I know like in my work with women, a lot of what we've done is like healing trauma. And so I think so much women have like guilt around putting themselves first and like really going for that experience of satisfaction. Like I know a lot of people when I first started really introducing the concept of pleasure, you know, they're like, I don't even like that word, you know, like it felt dirty. And I feel like a satisfied woman is a leader and it's like kind of hard to come by. And so that's something that I've gradually been working on since human design came into my life is really just trying to do just what I want to do. But we know that there's the conditioning and that stuff sneaks in all the time. And so like, how do you get to the point of really only doing what you want to do, especially if say you're trying to exit your day job or say you're momming and you got to go to the pickup line or, you know, you know, the day to day. It's like, how do you prioritize that pleasure, that satisfaction? How have you handled that in your own life? Ah, I love this. The interesting thing, I think, and this goes back to this idea of like how we can misunderstand words, whether it's martyr or heretic or the word pleasure, right? You can have a life that feels really good, but it doesn't mean that there's a lack of shit you don't want to do, right? Like dishes got to get done. Sometimes we can solve. And, you know, I think I started taking my own pleasure a lot more seriously about five years ago where I was, you know, like you had described, I had done all the things and achieved all the things and I had the job and, you know, my son was in preschool and he was sick all the time and I was working a hundred hours. It was just, you know, I was overcommitted and I had this realization that every single moment of my life was in service to another human being. That there was not literally not one single minute of my life that was in service to me. And so then I started getting a little rebellious and I was like, well, you know what? Like, no one's going to give it to you. <laughs> you have to take it. And it sort of became this thing that was like, I started working initially with just a couple little like things that I would add on to the end. Like I'd tell my like business bestie, I'd be like, I'm going to Target. And I'm going to fucking stroll around and drink my whole damn coffee because I deserve it. Because I deserve five fucking minutes or 20 minutes in Target drinking Starbucks, like feeling good about myself. And I think that regardless of where you are on that journey, recognizing and understanding and planning for like shit's going to come up, there's discomfort in life, there's necessary evils in life. It's not all hedonism all the time. And when we start to exercise our empowered choice that like, 
even if it's five minutes or 20 minutes a day that I'm carving out for myself, that I choose what would feel good for me, right? And what would feel good for me, that's that discernment process in in human design. You can start to really work with your bodily authority, your body's wisdom of, okay, if given the choice between going for a walk or watching Survivor, which one comes up higher in my body? Great, I'll go walk the dog or I'll watch whichever one comes up, right? Starting to begin to experiment or play around with this idea of I get to choose even though I don't always have choices. Okay, I got to go in the car pickup line. Do I want to take a shower and put makeup on because it makes me feel really good? Do I want to listen to my favorite music while I go do this thing that's not so fun? Just always keeping in mind this idea of empowered choice that I have a choice I don't necessarily always have a choice about what I'm doing day to day. And I have a choice around the energy that I bring to it. I can choose to sort of pleasure pad the shit that's uncomfortable. I love that term. If you just coined it, that's like really great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I've always been kind of a pleasure hedonist kind of at the point where it's been maybe too much and but I think it was like because I was medicating like this greater thing of like you said being in service to everybody else versus you know so I would kind of like spoil myself with pleasure but it wasn't like ultimately fulfilling it was more like a way to like kind of numb out a bit like the retail therapy or too much coffee or just you know like the mom life kind of hustle and grind sort of thing and that's why I sort of sometimes joke that like I would had that midlife crisis as I was I think it was like about 38 when the cancer Capricorn eclipses hit and I'm a cancer Capricorn and so that was definitely when I started going I don't want to be a psychologist for the rest of my life with a private practice you know I like I need a way out my husband is kind of like well you got those student loans like you're making you have a successful business like why would you want to burn that to the ground you know which I haven't, but I've been transitioning out throughout the years to investing in myself. And I felt I, you know, went all in without maybe the time to integrate it or just to give the the time that it takes to build an audience and to create offers and, and all that sort of stuff. And so for me, the past six months, I really kind of have gone the other way and found pleasure in restricting, not like in a negative sense, but, you know, cutting out gluten or cutting out sugar or cutting out shopping or or those kind of things and just like exploring the opposite side of things and really finding like a lot of freedom in putting myself first in in a way that I hadn't before like I'd put myself first by spoiling myself but then it was like you know extra weight yeah I think that what happens is there's this pendulum of if we're really repressed in an area there we move into the reactive and not just with pleasure or hedonism, right? I see this in, you know, people pleasing behaviors right? where you let people walk all over you and then you explode. And that's it's kind of the same thing there where nothing is mine. So now I'm going to go way over here and then maybe I'll find like this midway balanced part of it. And I think too... I mean, having that awareness is so brilliant, number one, because so many folks fail to recognize that that's what they're doing. And knowing now, right, we can be intentional. 
And like you said, even cutting out gluten can feel good for your body. I don't love doing dishes. I fucking hate doing dishes. But you know what I really is having a clean kitchen, right? And so sometimes pleasure, sometimes feeling good or feeling satisfied isn't this very cut and dry. Oh, it feels good all the way there. Sometimes it is taking that look at what fuels my body, what feels really good, what can help me feel safe and healthy, what can help me feel like I'm doing something good for myself. And I think it's the intention also that we bring to it of this is good for me. Yeah, I I feel like we can kind of trip over, let it be easy kind of thing when sometimes like creating a pattern disrupt is not easy because you're having to like recondition and do the mindset and do the opposite action and all of the things to kind of get to the place. So I really like that sort of dual awareness version that you're having. Like sometimes it is worth putting the work in to get the ultimate outcome. That's what's been really revolutionary for me about like really putting my satisfaction there first is not waiting till, oh, I got to make a million dollars to be okay. But like I showed up today for two podcast episodes. I'm so satisfied, you know, and really celebrating and detaching along the way of, yay, like I showed up and if no one likes it or watches it, like that's okay too, because it's going to exist in this bubble forever. And, you know, like people will come across it when they're meant to, right? And so sort of celebrating the showing up, but also detaching from, you know, that it means anything one way or another based on the metrics, let's say. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people like it's not it's not about all the people right now. It's about the right person at the right time. Right. As a generator, you know, breaking that frustration cycle, you know, especially as a mom boss, like it just so being spread too thin really created a lot of frustration. And then instead of having to pay attention to every single emotion, you know, really just zeroing in. And and my whole family is generators. So one of us gets frustrated. It's like ping ponging around. And then all of a sudden everybody is freaking out. And so really like, just being able to zoom in on the frustration piece and taking a breath, getting back in alignment and then proceeding from there. Like just that one piece was worth the whole human design certification because I wouldn't have even really identified as like a frustrated person. It was more like the roles that I was in, you know, rushing around, having to be everywhere and that kind of thing. But just like really zeroing in on that toxic emotion piece, like was so freeing motherhood and leadership can be frustrating. <laughs> so just being mm-hmm. able to like, pull yourself out of that piece. So yeah. Well, I know that you've got some exciting offers going on. And can you, we've had a wrap up kind of here on the hour, but can you kind of share some little threads about how you were able to kind of fill up your programs and your practice using some HD and then just tell us about like your awesome offer. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, human design is in every single thing that I do. It informs first and foremost how I show up in the world, what offers I create, how I create them, who they're for. I think an interesting thing, you know, for me, Whenever I create an offer, it is aligned to my design as in it is 
the thing that lights me the fuck up in that moment. It's the thing that really, really is the best. And I consider it, right? What is the, how do I want to spend my time? What do I want to be talking about? What kind of people do I want to be working with? Before I ever create the program or it has a name or it has a, a, a structure, it really is for me. Everything in my business comes back to me. It comes back to me shining my light. It comes back to me being the best me that I can be. That informs everything that I do. And so currently, the offer that I've got like a ton of workshops coming up. They're smaller workshops. Uh, one is called, it's a Shine by Design series, which is how to get unstuck, unfucked, and into aligned action in your business. So that's happening on Friday. And then in May, I'll be doing human design for mindset marketing and manifestation in your business. And then in June, I'll be doing a discernment workshop as well. All of this, though, is sort of in service to a peek behind the curtain at how I work with my one-on-one -on -one clients. So just the way that I, you know, for me, I have specific things I do in my business every single day. If you look at my chart, I'm right angle cross of laws. I'm the bridge between past and future. When you work with me, um, the 360, which is a formatting energy, your life will transform. It will be different. And we will find those simple, sweet solutions that work for you that aren't the ones that somebody else said, this is how or why you should be doing it this way. So right now, I'm really focusing my energy on connecting to what feels like two or three people. I don't take a lot of clients because I like to go really deep with them. The work that we do is so much about coming home to the truth of who you are. And, you know, it's really important for me. Again, I think a lesson that I learned previously was it doesn't feel good for me to just show up, deliver information and or show up and have a session and then not have connection with clients between sessions, for example. I want to be able to go deep. I want to be able to get you <clears throat> up and running in your business or get your business to a place where you might already have your business, but maybe it doesn't feel as good as you wanted it to. And you're like, this was supposed to feel good and it doesn't feel good and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And so the goal of that container is really to help you come home to the truth of who you are, to express that in everything that you do and to be seen, known and paid for it. So that's my big one. Yummy. I like that. And we put the link here for your Facebook group in the show notes. Any place else you want to direct people send your DM or? Yeah, I'm open to DMs all of the time. That's probably the best way to reach me. And folks can check out my website. Well, my website's just amberkeys.com, first name, last name.com. So you can learn more about me. You can learn a little bit more about human design if you're new to it. I have some, some really, some things about like the history of human design. Soon there will be a human design library. It's a part of the, the rebrand, but we probably won't get all the, the wheels under that until summer but you can reach out through there as well. That's really exciting. Well, I highly recommend like a human design reading or if you feel really drawn to it, you know, booking a session or, 
you know, working one-on-one or in a kind of a group mastermind kind of vibe. So speaking of, I am launching my mastermind divine. And so I am looking for goddesses who really want to work on their mindset to the point where they can kind of manifest this life. As we've been talking about this hour, it feels really good. And, you know, it could be something simple, like a really common belief I see so much for people is because of trauma, they feel like I can't get what I want. Well, if that's like a global belief that you've got going on there, like just that one little thought, and it may not even be a conscious thought, it's just like a subconscious, unconscious belief system. That whole thing could be fucking with, you know, your ability to heal the world and, you know, enlighten people and, you know, share the good so that we can have this sort of like revolution of the matriarchy, you know, where we have women in power, creating wealth and and changing these systemic things like we were talking about in the beginning of the session. And so I have found even just like on a personal level, just really prioritizing that self-satisfaction. And like you said, being lit the fuck up, you know, just that will change your whole life. And then your business and everything else you got going on can't help but change when that's there. So definitely thanks everybody for watching. Go check out Amber Keys and, you know, love to work with you as well. So hit me up in the DMs. So Amber, so good to connect with you. And I really could talk about HD all day long. And we didn't even get into some of the psychology Brene Brown stuff. So I may have to have you back and kind of chat. But I really love your integrative approach. And it's so powerful to have build these, you know, like you said, to integrate all the different lives you've had and the experiences so that you have this like really rich approach. And I think the more experience you have, like the less dogmatic we are. And it gives us just so much like choice and agency and freedom, which I know is what we're all about. So awesome. Well, thank you all so much for watching and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.